are. And um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to be reminded that we are the church, right? If we've seen this in the beginning of Acts, we've seen it so prevalent, right? That, um, that when, we, uh, when we come together, there is power in the name of Jesus, there is power in this place. And uh, so I think that as the, um, as the children go and have their own time of worship, have their own church time, I say sometimes, you know, wouldn't it be great to just go and hang out with them? I think that would be great to do that. But we, we thank the people that, uh, that help to, um, to mentor them and to uh, lead them in a time of worship and study of God's Word. So as they're doing that, we have the opportunity as, uh, as adults to open our Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Here's what we have uh, been looking at so far, just as sort of a quick recap. The title of our whole series as we go through Acts is The Unstoppable Mission of the Church. We were just singing in that last song how God is unchangeable, unshakable, and what? Unstoppable, right? He is unstoppable. And that's the theme I see for our series as we go through the book of Acts, but especially for today in Acts chapter 5, we truly see a couple of great uh, instances uh, of where God truly is unstoppable. And I'm hoping and praying that this morning's message as we look at Acts chapter 5 will be encouraging to you, especially if perhaps you've come in here this morning and you've maybe felt just a little discouraged. Maybe there's somebody in your life you've been sharing your faith with and you just don't seem to be getting through or the wall doesn't seem to be sort of shrinking or or being broken down or, or even perhaps there's something you're struggling with in your personal life, maybe that nobody else even knows about. I pray that this morning would be encouraging to know that no matter what our enemy throws at us, no matter... The temptations of this world, which can be so strong, that God is unstoppable. And the church that His Son Jesus said that He would build and continue to build, which is us, the mission of the church is unstoppable. So let me pray for us as we open God's Word together, and then we'll get right into it. Father, we are simply praying right now that You would bless the reading of Your Word to our hearts and minds this morning. We recognize your word is powerful, it is alive and active in us, so we know that it has the power to change us. That's our desire, that we would be transformed from the inside out because of your power, Father, through your word and the moving of the Holy Spirit within us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the other day I, uh, I went to the shop right, the one here in, uh, in Wall, it's the one close to our house, and and uh, I was really excited because I knew that, uh, you know, we had to do some food shopping. And if I spent 72 more dollars, then we would reach the 400 so that we would be eligible for our free turkey and or ham. So I'm going to use that for the ham. That's my favorite. Um, and so I was really excited to do that. So when I first got there, though, there was something that really kind of threw me off from my excitement, you know. And so... You probably do this too, but when you go to some place, you know, familiar over and over, you often tr- maybe try to park in the same place. It's kind of like when you come to church, you're all sitting in the same place. If I needed to talk to somebody, I'd know exactly where to look. I know Bob's right there, and I know Bruce. You know what I mean? We're creatures of habit, and that's all good. I do the same thing when I go 
to, to familiar stores, I try to find a parking spot in the same area. It's very helpful as you get older, so that when you leave the store, you know a general area like where you've parked, right? So, so I got there, and um, you know, at this shop right there's the, the the cart return area, right? And it's right by the front. It's like the fir- where the first spot would be. And so, um, as I'm turning the corner, I noticed that just two spots in, it's open. And uh, so I was like, this is great. This is a general area I park in. And it's really close to where the carts are. You can grab a cart. You know, when you're done, you return it. It's really easy. So as I'm turning in, I know you've experienced this. You're like, wow, a big open spot. You turn in, and what's sitting there right in the spot? A cart. So I had two carts in my spot. So I start to turn in. I'm halfway in. There's somebody behind me. Now I'm getting really annoyed. All I wanted was my free hand. And now I'm getting all annoyed. So I turned in, and so I didn't want to lose the spot. So I kind of halfway in, so I got out. The guy, you know, went around me, and I got I had to move the carts. But here's the thing. Two spots away was the cart return area. So now I'm thinking, how lazy could... There was two people. How lazy could they be? I mean, I understand if you're way on the other side, it's like a little more difficult. Two spots away, they could not return the cart. They couldn't walk, you know, 20 feet to return the cart. So now I'm all frustrated. I don't know who these people are, but I'm mad at them. Because I had to get out of my car, you know, and I had to move them. So I was going to use one. I put it to the side and I put the other one away. And I'm thinking, see how easy this is? See, you know, putting it away. And I'm feeling bad so I'm getting all frustrated. And so I'm thinking there should be punishment for these people. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking jail time is what I'm thinking, right? But then, of course, you know. The punishment wouldn't fit the crime. But you know what? It's kind of like where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 5. At the very beginning, there is this familiar story of Ananias and Sapphira, a husband and wife. And we're going to see what happens to them as we read. Maybe you haven't read it before. It's been a while. So as we read through it, just pay attention to sort of what happens to them. But kind of the overall theme for this morning, the sub-theme, is that there are ramifications for every decision that we make. It's kind of a theme for the whole chapter. Because there's two major events in chapter 5. There's the story of Ananias and Sapphira, which we're going to read in a second. And then later on at the end, we see that the apostles are arrested again and put in a jail. But miraculously, by an angel of the Lord, they are freed to continue to go on and preach the gospel, the resurrection of Christ. But really, the theme throughout this chapter really is that there are consequences to every decision we make. There are ramifications, good and bad, positive and negative, for every decision and every choice that we make in life. Now, I know we've experienced that, so we know that to be a true principle. It's a principle that seems to be obvious in life, but it's also a very biblical principle. And so we see there's a lot of decisions made in Acts chapter 5, and we can actually see the ramifications and consequences of these decisions. And so we see in Acts chapter 5, I'm going to read the whole chapter, so it's long, but with that sort of summary in mind, follow along. You see there's three sections, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and then we're going to see that there's a little middle section there where... We're reminded of all of the miraculous things that God is doing through the apostles to build His church, to bring healing. And then we see the story of how they are arrested again, put in jail, 
and how they are miraculously freed. All right? So let's get right into it. So you can read along uh, in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen. Acts chapter 5. But a man named Ananias, I'm going to stop right there. We didn't get too far. I already stopped you. Sorry. You remember from last week at the end of Acts, or two weeks ago, Acts chapter 4, we have to say this, it ended with the story of Barnabas. Remember that? And we went over it a few uh, a month or so ago when we looked at generous living, that Barnabas sold a piece of property, he gave it all and laid it down at the apostles' feet, and he was commended for it, became a leader in the church. So now we're going to see sort of the opposite. What happens if you don't approach it like Barnabas did, Okay. That's why it says but. That's why we got a but there, okay? You don't always see a but, you know, well, forget about that, okay? But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it, laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets, laid them on the cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Bless you. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. 
Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We have strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in high honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And so he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. But he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. It's a lot. What a great story. There's two sections here. We're going to talk about Ananias and Sapphira first. And then we're going to look at the uh, what happened with the leaders and uh, arresting the apostles. And then what happened and then their response. Okay, it's really important. But again, what I see happening here is that it's a great reminder in these two main events. That first of all, God is unstoppable. And secondly that there are always going to be consequences to every one of our decisions and actions. So first, with Ananias and Sapphira, just to kind of sum up what had happened here, um, in case you missed it, what happened was they were part of the believers, okay? So they were believers, followers of Christ. They were part of the church, right? And they were following after what Barnabas had done. So Barnabas, he was the good guy in this, right? The end of Acts chapter 4, and 
he bought he had some property he sold it and he gave it all laid it down at the apostles feet it worked out very well for him ananias and sapphira husband and wife part of the group okay they determined to do the same thing but what we notice here is that ahead of time this wasn't a spur of the moment ahead of time premeditated they decided that they would sell a property and go and give just like everybody else but they were going to hold some back and so when they got before peter the leader of the church at the time and they laid it down at his feet first the husband then the wife right summarizing it here but what did they do it says very clearly they held some back so the first thing to notice here is that the sin was not really just the fact that they kept from kept some for themselves that they didn't give it all even though that was bad in and of itself what peter says right to them is that it was an issue of the heart that is where our decisions start am i right that is where things start and the outflowing of that is going to be our actions we talk about learn grow and serve here right at trinity so as we're learning we're growing and then our heart is changing and from that our actions come forth so we see that in the heart of ananias and his wife sapphira that they had given their heart away because what we see here is that peter calls them out on this and he says in verse three ananias why has satan filled your heart to lie to the holy spirit see therein is the issue they lied not to men more importantly they lied to god and peter called him out on it it was a hard issue see they had determined ahead of time they were going to keep some for themselves for whatever reasons and peter doesn't mince words does he he calls them right out and says why did you let satan deter you He's not saying they were possessed by Satan. They were believers. But he says, basically, he's saying, you let, you let Satan deceive you. And you put the Holy Spirit aside from leading and guiding you. As a believer should be led. And you gave in to that temptation. You gave in to the lie and the deceit of the enemy. And it starts from the heart. So he calls them out on it. And what does it say in verse 5? When There was no argument here. There was no debating. It says, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He died. And what do you think about that? Because then the same thing happens to his wife. She comes in. She didn't know what had just happened about three hours later. And Peter asks her, so did you give all the money? Yep. She said, we gave it all. And then he even predicts and says, in just a minute, you're going to die as well. So the first question I think we're all asking is, does the punishment fit the crime here? Why would God do such a thing? Through the Apostle Peter, why would he bring about the ultimate judgment of death for just lying about what they were given? I think there's a few reasons here. We can glean some some takeaways for us. First of all, it really is a heart issue. It's not just that they didn't give it. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They gave in to temptation. There was a consequence for their actions. Now, we might think it's too severe of a consequence, right? But a consequence nonetheless. Secondly, God's ways are not our ways. 
His thoughts are not our thoughts. Am I right on that? So we don't know exactly why it was that he chose Ananias and Sapphira. But as we read all of Scripture, we can get a sense, you know, this is not the first time God has done such a thing. See, here we are in the infancy of the church. The church is just getting started, right? We see later on that they're still healing the sick, and and people are even thinking that if they just get in the shadow of Peter, that they'll be healed, right? So there's many signs and wonders that that are going on through, uh, it's the Holy Spirit's power through the apostles. But what we see here is that Ananias and Sapphira, they made a decision And there is a consequence to it, a deadly and immediate consequence. But God did a very similar thing back in Joshua. Do you remember the story of Achan from Joshua chapter 7? We don't have to turn there. But do you remember the story of Achan? He was part of the nation of Israel. You remember Joshua was leading them first to go against the city of Jericho? Remember, to break the walls down? God's command at that time, and this is important, God's command at that time was different than many other times because often as joshua was was leading the israelites into the conquest of canaan the promised land often he would allow them to keep certain spoils okay of their victories but here no in jericho he said don't leave don't take anything destroy it all and that message was clear but achan didn't do it He kept some things for himself. Remember that? He kept like a coat. It was like a beautiful piece of clothing, fine linen, and he kept some silver and gold. He kept it. And then judgment came upon not only Achan, but his whole family was killed. Just like that. But also, if you remember that story, it's important to notice that God actually gave him a night to think about it. He gave him an offer of grace and said, I'll give you some time to think about it. So he even had time to repent. And he still chose, as Peter said here in this case, to let Satan fill his heart. To be led astray from what was right and righteous by the leading of Satan. By giving in to that temptation, that sinful desire. So not only Achan, his whole family was killed. And then the next battle that the Israelites go into in Ai... Right? They were overcome and they were like, what is this? We're always winning because God's before us. There was judgment on Achan, his family, and the nation of Israel. Because why? There are consequences to our actions. So why is it that sometimes God allows the wicked to prosper and allows us even to get away with our sin? Let's just remember this. That God's judgment is sure. Sometimes He delays it. But sometimes it's immediate, like with Achan and his family, like with Ananias and Sapphira. You know, sometimes I often think, why is it that we struggle so much as followers of Christ with living still in the sinful nature? We know that our spirits are made new and that we're new creations in Christ and we're forgiven, right? And, uh, and we are justified. We went through all of that. And so our position has changed before God, but we still struggle with sin. And we will until Christ returns for us. But why is that? I think part of it is consequences are not always immediate. If you commit a sin, you commit a sin in your mind, you commit a sin, not, you don't always get struck down by lightning, do you? No, you're all here, so you don't. But what if 
You ask a kid, you tell a kid, don't touch the stove because it's hot. You go and touch the stove, you put your hand over the flame, and what happens? Immediately you're burned because you know it. I did that. My mom asked me once, go check if the stove is off. It was one of those electric ones with the coils. So I said, all right, I'll put my hand on it. I told that story before. I put my hand on it. Immediate consequence. And then I had a long-lasting consequence. I had a circular scar on my hand. Right? I felt like the guy from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember that? Okay. Anyway. Thank you. He likes that movie. There are consequences to our actions. So here, God's judgment is swift and severe. Ananias and Sapphira both died. Why? Because they not only didn't give it all, but they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter said. And the wife did the same thing. Because they had determined ahead of time to give in to the sin in their heart. Look at what verse 11 says. Here's a consequence of that. There, the consequence for them was death. But look at one of the ramifications. It says, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. And later on it says, as they kept preaching, it said many of them dared not even go. These were the, probably the ones that were sort of weak or young in their faith. They're like, we don't even want to go. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. But great fear came upon them. Just like, there's a, gr- a great correlation between these two stories. Just like with the story of Achan and his family, they had just started conquering the land of Canaan, right? With, with the battle of Jericho. They had just started doing that. God wanted to send a lesson to make sure the people were remaining pure for Him. That they were remaining obedient. The same thing happens here. The church is in its infancy. And they're still healing people. Miraculous signs, it says. Many signs and wonders in verse 12. Regularly done. So these are the first believers. And it's as if God is saying, no, we can't have any of this. I'm going to make them an example. The last thing about this story, we would say maybe, again, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. How could this be fair? Don't we ask that of ourselves often? We see something happening to a brother or sister or something in the world. How could that be fair? Let this be a reminder too. That who gets to decide what's fair and what's not? God does. He's the ultimate judge. See, we have an idea of what's fair and what's right or wrong. We need to stay in the Scriptures and in the Word to remember who it is that gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. Again, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Could you imagine if you were there? I mean, just think of it. It's almost, if it wasn't so sad and frightening, it would be almost funny that it says that the young men, they carried Ananias out. Three, three hours later, Peter and Sapphira are talking. She goes down dead. And it says on verse 10, when the young men came in, they found her dead. So they had gone out and buried him. And they came back in, they're like, oh, another one. And now they got to carry her out. Just think about how they were affected by it, right? So there are consequences to all of our actions. But let us remember that ultimately God is the one who is sovereign and who is in control. And we say that in Acts, we're looking at the unstoppable mission of the church. 
God's plans cannot be thwarted by the enemy Satan or by our disobedience. But there will be ramifications for all of our decisions, consequences for every action. So perhaps God kills them for lying to establish the apostles' authority. Because, of course, He hates sin, as we said, to purify and warn the church. And remember, it says that, in in Acts it says that the whole church was unified, right? Unified around what? Around the truth and around the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one that was supposed to be in their hearts, directing them. They're supposed to be surrendering to the leading of the Spirit, not to the temptations of our enemy, right? And so God is using them uh, as an example. And so we see then, it tells us in verse 12 to 16 that there's still many signs being done. People are bringing the sick out, the lame out into the streets that could be healed. Even there's like this superstition that comes up. If we can just be like in the shadow of Peter, man, we'll be healed. That's how much they revered the apostles and Peter's leadership. Look at the power. Remember what we said a couple of chapters ago that everybody was like, wow, how'd you guys do this? You're so awesome. And Peter and John were like, no, it's not us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So then we see the second story. We see what happens um, if we look at starting in verse 17 to the end. We won't reread it. But here's a summary of what we just read. Right? And so as they're healing and as they're teaching... The high priest, in verse 17, he rose up. He was filled with jealousy. And the Sadducees, they said, we need to arrest him again. Remember they warned him after they had healed the lame beggar? And they're like, well, we can't deny this power. Let's just tell them, don't do this again. Don't preach in Jesus' name. But of course, they said, we have to obey God and not man. So they kept preaching. So now the leaders are upset again. So they had them arrested. They put them in prison. Verse 19, During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Then he gave them a directive. And he said, Go and stand in the temple. Speak to the people all the words of this life. So they heard it, and they went. And at daybreak, they began to teach again. So remember the first time they were arrested? God let them spend a night in jail. He did. This time, he says, No. My... My mission is unstoppable. They need to keep preaching. So he says, it says an angel of the Lord came and supernaturally freed them. Because what does it say? It says, it's kind of funny too, right? What happens the next scene? It's kind of like if you were doing this as a movie, you'd see there's the scene and they're like freed, right? And it says they, they open the doors of the jail that the, the angel of the Lord did and they're freed and now they're preaching again. But all that night, the leaders are like, yeah, we got them. They're thinking that. So they get back together right in the morning and they're just like okay uh, let's go send for them so we can admonish them right and beat them and rebuke them and so what happens is it says the officers came they didn't find him in prison so they came back and said uh we didn't find him in prison right and so when they went to check they're like how could this be because the doors were still closed and locked is that amazing so they knew it had to have been from god but it says they were so perplexed Because they didn't know what this meant or what it was going to lead to. See, there are already ramifications of their decision to arrest the apostles again. 
So it says in verse 27, uh, 26 and 27, they went out and re-arrested them, but they did it quietly because they were afraid. They knew they were gaining popularity. Thousands were coming to the saving knowledge of Christ. See? So they said, basically said to the, to the leaders, they said, go and arrest them and make it quiet. We don't want anybody to, to get stoned. So they brought him in quietly. Also take note that they didn't put up a fight. They were being obedient to the authorities at the time. So they went and they came before them again. And in verse 27, the high priest questioned them. Hey, we charge you not to teach in this name. He's like, remember we said that to you? But now, you're still doing it. You're filling all of Jerusalem with your teachings. You're going to put this man's blood on our hands. And they were totally upset about it. And so... Peter and the apostles gave the same answer. Quite consistent they were. They said in verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. They had said that before, they said it again. And then he went on to remind them, we're following Jesus, the one that you and your people killed. We have to obey the Holy Spirit. So they heard this. And then here's a real interesting part, what happens next. So there is this Pharisee, right? There is this Pharisee, Gamaliel. You remember who he was? The teacher of the Apostle Paul? And many others. So he's a very very well-respected rabbi and teacher of the law. And he's a Pharisee. So he's here among them. And he says, hold on, hold on a second. He says, send him outside. I want to talk to you. So they send him out. They send the apostles out. And he gathers the leaders together. And he tells them this amazing thing. And look at what he says. Remember, here is a Pharisee. There's no love lost between them and Peter and the apostles. But look at what he says. You can see God working out his unstoppable plan in this. In verse 35, he says, Men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do. He's saying, be careful. And then he gives them in verse 36 and 37, he reminds them that there had been two other insurrections, two other uprisings. He's saying there's people just like Jesus. He gained a bunch of followers, a few hundred followers, But you know what happened? After a short time, the leader died and the people scattered. And so basically, this guy, full of wisdom, he says to the Sadducees, this is going to happen with this Jesus guy too. Just let him alone. But then he gives this piece of wisdom and he says to the Sadducees, he says, you know what? If it's of men, they will fail. Jesus will die. They will be scattered. But if it's from God... You can't do anything to stop it. He says, then it's going to be like trying to go against God. And so the leaders took it as his advice. He was very well respected. And so they basically gave him another warning. Don't preach. And what did they do? They went and preached. They actually beat them, flogged them this time. Hey, we'll teach them this time. They went back to their people and said, hey, we got flogged. Basically, they, they, they were overjoyed with being able to suffer for the Lord Jesus, and for the gospel. And then they kept preaching and kept healing. So look at the ramifications of some decisions that were made here. You see, the leaders decided they were going to re-arrest them. The leaders decided that they were going to then listen to the Pharisee. All the while, God is orchestrating all this. God uses a Pharisee, right? He uses a Pharisee to work out his will because his plans 
are unstoppable. Isn't that awesome? So we see how there are ramifications to every decision, but yet at the same time we can see that through it all, God is doing His thing. Right? They did not even stop preaching it. So God even used one of their own to save the lives of the apostles. We can see um, that uh, as we see Ananias and Sapphira, and we see what happened with the Sadducees and with, um, uh, with uh, Gamaliel the Pharisee, that every decision has a consequence, right? Because Ananias and Sapphira, it leads to their death, but the church is given an example. Signs and wonders are done as a result of their obedience to the Holy Spirit. So because the apostles are obedient, they make that decision to be obedient, then what are the ramifications? Thousands more come to the Lord because they're obedient, right? 5,000 more saved than it said in chapter 4. We can go on and on. And so I want to end with this final point. If I keep saying this morning that there are ramifications or consequences for every decision, it's because of this. Why is it such an important principle? Well, we can see the examples from Acts chapter 5. But there is one important decision that each of us in this room need to make or needed to make and have done so already that trumps every other decision and that is what will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ what do you do with Jesus what do you do when you read about what he has done and what he has taught and what he has commissioned his church to do because you know what there is ultimate and infinite and everlasting ramifications for our decision about what to do with Jesus and His teachings. Because what the Gospels teach us is that the Lord Jesus said Himself that He is the promised Messiah. And that the only way to be reconciled to God the Father is through Him. He said that He would have to die on the cross, that His blood would need to be shed, His body given in our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins so that we then can enter once again into relationship to a holy and perfect and righteous God. And He says, come to Me, let My blood cover your sins so you can be justified and reconciled to God our Creator. And the Gospels tell us that Jesus said He is the only way. Not any other God, not any other world leader, not any other world religion, but Jesus and Jesus alone. When we go to share our faith, those of us who have already made that decision to follow Christ, when we share our faith, we need to make it as plain and simple as that. That there are consequences for our actions. We speak the truth in love but we speak the truth. And I say that again? We are to speak the truth in love, but we need to speak the truth. And so the ultimate consequence for not accepting Christ as Messiah is eternal separation from God our Creator. The Bible calls it a place called hell. It is eternally being separated and being tortured and being judged for that decision. But the flip side is our hope. The flip side is what brings us peace and joy and thanksgiving. Is that the eternal ramification 
for surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ as Savior, as the promised Messiah, the only one to account and to cover for your sins. And the consequence of that is the promise of everlasting life. Can we say amen to that? And the hope and peace in this life and the fact that we can look forward to eternity with God. So therein lies the ultimate decision that every person has to make. As you walk around and you go to work and you you walk around town, you do your shopping, just remember this week that every single person that you see is going to live and exist eternally. Remember that? The only question is, where will they be? Will they be with God or separated for eternity? So we need to remember that and look at people the way God does. To see people through God's eyes. And not to pass judgment. But as I've often said, to remember that we are but beggars showing other beggars where to find the bread. For we as believers in Christ have that hope within us and we are to always be ready to give an account for that hope and to share the good news that there is a decision to be made for every single person that lives on this earth. And that one decision, that one decision is greater than any other decision they can make in their lifetime. And that is, how do you respond to Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, Father, we know that, um, that You are so good in giving us the truth of Your Word. You remind us and teach us in so many ways about how good You are and how gracious You are. But we are also reminded, like today's passage, Father, about how You are a righteous and holy God. That You do not tolerate sin. God, You are gracious and merciful and we thank You. But sin cannot even enter into Your presence. For You have given us a means by which we can be reconciled to You. As our sin has separated us from You, that through the Lord Jesus, His shed blood covering our sins, that if we are to simply, through faith, put our faith and trust in You, that that graciousness will be real, and we will, as Your Word says, be saved. God, I would pray for each one here who has not yet come to that point in their heart and in the understanding of their mind that this is the decision before them and a decision that needs to be made. God, would you grab a hold of their hearts? Whatever it is that may be holding them back from surrendering their lives to you, that today would be the day of freedom and salvation for them. God, we thank You for how powerful You are and that You desire in Your heart that all would be saved. What an awesome God You are. Father, I'm asking right now that You would please draw unto Yourself anyone who is here who has not yet made that decision. Father, would You tug on the heart of that person that is here that is struggling to understand what this truly means to come before You, a God, and a God who is righteous and holy, and recognize, recognize Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, 
as that promised Messiah, the one who would take away the sins of the world. God, do that today. Do it even despite of the things that we may say or do. Because we got, God, we know how important life is to you. So God, we're asking that you would transform lives. And for those of us who are already considered your children and following after you, God, would you convict us of our sins, that we would not give in to the temptations of the evil one, that we would not allow Satan to lead our hearts as with Ananias and Sapphira and Achan, but God, that we would truly be able to surrender each and every day to the filling of the Holy Spirit so that we would always, in every situation, put our faith and trust in You, our God and Creator. And for that, we will say thank you. In this season of thanksgiving, help us all to remember those things we need to be thankful for. But as your church, we are thankful most of all for Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.